Honey, pause for a sec. That science officer's head is so big. Welcome to The Spinal Frontier, a podcast where we speculate as to why Star Trek aliens are the way they are. I'm Kelly, she, her. And I'm Aaron, they, them. Today we're talking about general skull and face morphology, or form and function, because apparently I didn't notice this absolute bobblehead of a bridge officer in all four seasons of Discovery, and I'm mad at myself. And honestly, the way it's shot, I feel like the makers of Discovery don't want you to look at it. But now that I've witnessed it, I can't unwitness it, and I mean, I'm really mad that I haven't noticed it any sooner. It's a really cool alien design, but like I don't know if there's something up with the prosthetics that are that just don't hold up because like they they don't give it much attention. That's true. Um, I mean, Star Trek is really committed to these unusual face and head traits, kind of more so than other sci-fi franchises that we enjoy. They're really committed to having this guy on the bridge and giving us no information about him. <laughs> it's ambiance. <laughs> it's vibes. It's vibes. <laughs> I'm just saying, justice for big lumpy head guy. It's not lumpy. It's just giant. Like, it's what I, the proportion of it is about the same as if, like, an octopus head and mantle was on the back. But it's, like, not hanging down. It's, like, straight back. So it's just, like, this big pinata head it's so <laughs> what you're saying is this guy's lieutenant octo dad I hope, they, I hope they give him a big role a big speaking line and the camera pans over to him dramatically and he goes <laughs> that's not what they sound like they sound like <laughs> and i know because i'm an octopus biologist a lot of the species that we see a lot of the identifying traits are all head related when the first time we're meeting a lot of these these aliens is on the view screen, right? They need to look immediately alien from the chest up. And they need to have their distinguishing traits be such that it's not hindering the actors and their performance. And it seems like attaching bits and bobs to the forehead is the is the easiest and cheapest way to do that. And it's it's still kind of a brave choice though, because it's super hard to act when there's a bunch of stuff glued to your face they have some pretty bombastic actors playing the really facial prosthetic heavy aliens in the show oh yeah so like season one of discovery the klingons they started to extend the prosthetics over the whole head and and face and the result is though the actors are doing amazing performances it's still really hard for the viewer (laughs) because it's really just holding the actors back it's just Klingon Botox all the way down. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I wanted to talk first about just kind of skull shapes. There are, obviously there's Lieutenant Octodad. When I was kind of looking into this, I noticed that a split down the head is really popular. And it kind of makes sense because human skulls, if you look at the top of a human skull before it kind of fuses, there's the the frontal bones and the, are the front and the sagittal bones are on the back. A lot of... These ones with weird skulls, I like to categorize into innies and outies. <laughs> there are a lot of innies. So they've got this line running down their head that kind of dents in. And then the especially the frontal bones, but also kind of the sagittal bones will bulge out. Mm-hmm. So we're going back to the Ferengi, but there's all kinds of different races that continue on through the franchises. The Iridi- Iridians and Katarians that have butt heads, mm-hmm. like these bul- bulges in the front with like the split in the middle. 
Um, so those are our innies. And then we've also got our outies. So a lot of those are your lizard-looking ones, like your Gorns, your Jem'Hadar, and also the Bolians. So the Bolians uh, we'll talk a little bit about because they have this really interesting crest that kind of goes from the front of their nose all the way over, and then it kind of runs in a big X along the top of their head. I've noticed they're kind of unique among the Star Trek aliens for having an Audi that kind of makes a crest as opposed to all of these innies. Apparently, the Bolian Ridge is cartilaginous. It's not bone. I don't know what that means, because either that means that we're, when they're infants and their skull is still fusing, they, they have a cartilaginous ridge that kind of builds like one's ear. Or nose. Or nose. Or that means that maybe they're like a shark and they have cartilaginous skeletons. Given the Bolian's digestive system... And, Which we'll get to. And its hardiness. I wouldn't be surprised if the contents of one's stomach were something like that of a shark's. Another hot take. But besides just like skull shape, right, we've got a massive variety of facial traits. What What's your favorite weird thing that gets glued onto <laughs> an actor's face? Okay, so there's an alien in an episode of Voyager where he's got um, like a proboscis from his nose that then connects to his chin. Oh, yeah, teapot guy. Yes, teapot guy. He looks like a teapot. And why it's weird, but it's also very silly. How does he eat? What does he do with that thing? I mean, if an organism can make its life without dying because of a certain weird trait, it's entirely possible that it'll get continued in the population. <laughs> so we've got a weird nose guy. We've also seen like unusual nostrils that kind of like, I'm pretty sure they did glue drinking straws onto this this particular person's head. And then like the nostrils are kind of in the middle of the forehead. But a lot of aliens kind of get defined by their ridges. So I'm obsessed with Kelpians and it's not okay. <laughs> I mean, it's more than okay, but also... We're going to talk about Kelpians a lot because the more I think about what we're doing on this podcast, the more fascinated I am. And I'm going to save some of it, but like they've got sensory organs. They've got sensory organs that you aren't thinking about probably. They have weird mouth. They have tiny eye. They have lumpy head. They have this wonderful amalgamation of predator and prey traits like they've these predatory traits of like these forward-facing eyes um, but they kind of have that wide kind of cowy nose those wide nostrils that you would associate with a lot of livestock i i just i am fascinated by kelpians those are my favorite <laughs> so if, if you have a hard time getting into discovery you may be in for a bad time because the creature designers really knocked it out of the park. And so there's a lot of material there, especially with the Kelpians. Okay, so what I'm hearing is it's you need to give Discovery another chance because of all of the cool alien morphology and physiology that is in the show that we will help you appreciate. Haha. One of my favorite alien races on the show is the Andorians, um, but their skull morphology is not really that different from humans they do have they do have antenna though which i think are pretty neat so they're the only ones that have antenna and i would like to talk about sensory organs someday because 
I was reading up on this in the Starfleet Medical Journal because they have one from the 70s. And apparently those antenna are partially for sight. What? So, so I guess their eyes are colorblind and they keep all of their cones in their antenna. That's trippy. Is that a... Uh... Is that reasonable at all? Like, is that is that sound biology or is that bunk? No. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it could kind of make sense if the ends of the antenna were more like eyeballs. Like, I think the closest thing I can approximate is like a snail that has like eye spots. But those are just for light detection. Those aren't really for color detection so so i apparently if an andorian loses an antenna it can't see as well but also that text is from 40 years ago it's also from non-biologists right there's been some more entries to the franchise since then obviously i feel like enterprise goes into the andorians a lot more i know they need their antenna for balance but I think they might have retconned it from this book a little bit. Um, and the the antenna are for like infrared sensing. Yeah, the, the alien sensory organs are really fascinating. We've got all kinds of weird facial traits. Like you, you see like all kinds of variations of ridges and horns, like really weird ears, a variety of really weird ears, which I mean, that's how this whole thing started, right? All the scales, all the spots, like the the trill, which are our symbiotic humanoids that have these kind of cheetah print starting at their foreheads and kind of their temples that run all the way down the sides of their body. So on Deep Space Nine, there's a trill character named Jetsia Dax, and the makeup artist that did her spots did those by hand every time. And so every set was different. It wasn't a stencil. And so he'd just sign his initials and his like whatever lot number for the spots that is um, for unique every episode. And we, there's also um, what's Neelix again? What's his, what's his species? Kind of ask me what Neelix is again. What is Neelix? No, 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 The way you did it before. What's, said, what's Neelix again? What's Neelix again? A menace. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't know I was marrying a Talaxian. <laughs> okay, yeah, Talaxians. They have like the yellow and the purple and, you know, the wild mutton chops kind of along the side of the face. Like, I feel like they underutilize beard. Well, the Klingons have, have quite the beard and those like long mustaches. With the Klingons, we have an ongoing fan debate that was settled by canon in Enterprise or whatever. Speaking of facial hair, let's take a break and uh, hear a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Dahar Master Kang's Mustache Wax. Remember, Patach, it don't mean a thing if you ain't got that Kang. (laughs) All right, so now that we're in the second half, I really did want to talk about animals that look like some of our favorite weirdos with, with interesting skull morphology. And I did bring up the Bullions before, our beloved Audis, because they have this kind of crest that runs down, runs along the top of their skull. And that's actually, it's called a sagittal crest in mammals. 
and really anything with a skull, I suppose. But it's really common in dogs and apes. And I know it best from teaching about marine mammals. The seals and sea lions have this crest. And I noticed in bullions, as in these seals and sea lions, that the males have a bit of a bigger sagittal crest than the females do. When I looked up what a sagittal crest is actually for, it's interesting because they developed in animals that need to chew tough foods or actually all of them, like dogs, apes, seals, sea lions. It seems like they fight with their mouths and bite each other as a self-defense. So it looks like a sagittal crest developed in animals that chew tough foods and maybe kind of fight with their mouths too. Because those jaw muscles... In, like in humans, if you if you touch your own face right now and open and close your jaw, your jaw muscles attach kind of right by your ears. But in animals with sagittal crests, those jaw muscles run all the way to the top of their head and attach to the sagittal crest, which gives them more power to chew. This is my hot take on bullions. And so that sagittal crest, do you think, gives them a, a better base for their muscles to attach to, to increase their bite force? Yeah, I think that's the most obvious biological explanation for that. So that's my hot take, that bullions are seriously adapted to just eat awful things on all ends. But there are other wacky types of animals that come from really interesting environments that can tell us something about even the aliens that we've never seen before, but that are running jokes. So can you tell the class what a gallimite is? Oh, okay. So in Deep Space Nine, uh, Lieutenant Dax mentions multiple times that she's dating a Gallimite named Captain Baudet. And the rest of the cast has varying reactions to this. But usually the question is, the guy with the transparent skull? And <laughs> well, yeah, so she, neat. <laughs> she thinks he's bodacious. Captain Bodacious. I like that a lot. So... We've never seen a gallimite because the poor practical effects department could not easily pull off a transparent skulled humanoid. That's really creepy. Oh, I'll bet the Discovery team could for sure. I mean, they're bringing Ferengi back. They're retconning the Ferengi after they retcon the Klingon, so gallimites could be next. I mean, I don't I don't think the Ferengi redesign is that, that much of a retcon, to be honest. It could just be a different phenotype of Ferengi from a different part of Ferenginar. Honestly, it looks more like a bat, which I'm pretty impressed with. I mean, I think it's really cool, for one, but we're not here to ruin any story elements of Discovery. So, Gallimites, what I figure is that they probably are based off of barrel-eye fish. Is that one of those deep-sea fishes? Oh, yeah. So it's like black. It looks kind of like a little submarine, but it's got this head that is completely transparent And its eyes have evolved to be on the inside of its skull. So it has two little eyes and a little brain. And it's kind of green. And it's just kind of sitting inside of this little clear dome skull thing. (laughs) (laughs) It's so creepy. That's that's really cool. I'm guessing Gallimites also come from maybe a high-pressure area in addition to darkness. I'm kind of spitballing because I don't completely remember. But I think a reason why an organism might want to evolve its eyes into the inside of its skull is because if you're living deep in the ocean, it's really high pressure Mm -hmm. 
situation. Eyes are kind of sensitive organs and they don't do really well with being smushed. So if their eyes could be protected inside their skull and still functional, mm -hmm. that took a lot of doing. That's a, that's a very weird evolution, clear skull and clear skin on one part of your body so that you can see out of it. So we don't have a lot of information about gallimites, but if they are anything like barrel eye fish, perhaps Captain Baudet wears a pressure suit. I think that's pretty darn cool. Like we don't see, we don't get a lot of Star Trek aliens from worlds of a variable pressure or gravity. Like most of them come from places that are pretty close to Earth. So we might have mentioned Klingons, but we haven't really gotten into the original walnut heads. They are so, so bony. If you look at just kind of what their bones are proposed to look like, they've got these really wild, all these extra kind of bony projections on their body and like down their spine. And they have these kind of honeycomb like ribs that are, that are a lot like they're kind of interconnected, which is weird. I hadn't noticed that detail before, but that's really neat. They're just super meant for fighting. <laughs> But probably the most famous thing, the thing that we all think of when we think of Klingons, is this big, ridgy forehead that is so, so, so bony. And it reminds me of everyone's favorite dinosaur, obviously, the Pachycephalosaurus, which kind of is like this big, thick dome skull with kind of spikes all the way around it. You mean the ones that look like Friar Tuck? Yes, the Friar Tuckosaurus. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um and so I'm thinking Klingons who are a very warlike, at least in their in their modern evolution, there is there is an episode where Worf devolves, de-evolves <laughs> into this just unintelligible monster. But uh, we can talk about that another time, too, because that one's fascinating. The way that moderns, modern Klingons are, uh, it's just this bony head, super ridgy. And I'm willing to bet that the skin on their forehead is very thick and leathery, not very much blood vessel running through it because... If you smack your head, if you're meant to smack your head, you don't want to have a lot of potential for cuts or burst blood vessels. Would you expect them to see like denser musculature in the neck to handle that kind of repeated stress injury or? Maybe more to hold up a heavy head. They are no pencil neck. They have pretty decent musculature. They're not Cardassians. They're not all neck, but yeah, I hadn't really thought about that, but they probably have some sort of neck fortification if they're going to have such adaptations to fighting. So speaking of aliens that have weird traits and we don't quite know what they're for, um, I would like to propose a bit. A bit? The bit that I'd like to propose is, what the hell is Dal? So Dell is this purple teen character who's the main character of the new Star Trek prodigy on Nickelodeon. And I think one of the most compelling things is Dell's weird prehensile rat tail thing. I keep forgetting he has that, to be honest. They don't really, like, accentuate it. What? I can't look away. Huh. I mean, frankly, I, I forget it's there most of the time. Yeah, it's just a weird hair thing, but it doesn't look like the rest of his hair. This character, I'm the this is no spoilers. Uh he doesn't know where he's from. And we don't know where he's from. But I would like to use our topic of the week, if applicable, to try and guess where Dal might be from. He's got kind of normal ears, so like we we didn't really have anything to say two weeks ago. So um we're going to have a running list of weird traits of Dal and try and guess 
what his home world might be like and what how his people evolved just based on the stuff we learn about him from Prodigy and see if we can do it before the show reveals where he's from. Number one, he's got a weird rat tail thing on the back of his head that doesn't appear to do anything. Okay. Makes him look like a Padawan, like from Star Wars. Tell me a little bit from a biologist perspective, like what something like that might be for. It doesn't make any sense because it's not anywhere particularly useful. The only thing I can think of is maybe it's sensory, like, oh, uh, maybe it's like an antenna amplifying some sort of telepathic signal. Uh, but he doesn't really have any telepathy. No. no, nothing like that. I don't know. So we're we're going to stay tuned and see what other abilities Dell has. But um, I'm going to see if I can guess what his homeworld might be like before they reveal it. Okay, I think that's it for now because otherwise we could talk about like 42 different topics that we're going to eventually get into. I have a long list, like a really long list. You're stuck with us for a while, folks. That's it for now. If you liked this episode, please subscribe on your favorite podcast listening app and feel free to rate us five stars and leave us a review so other people can find us. If you didn't like it, uh, just like don't, I guess. And if you're not already, please follow us on Instagram at Spinal Frontier Pod and on Twitter at Spinal Frontier. We've already gotten some great follow-up questions about episode one, and we're looking forward to having more conversations with you. Maybe we'll even have an audience question episode here soon. Well, thanks for listening. Okay, honey, you can press play.